Yeah, just as we're worshipping. Just as we were worshipping, I just started thinking about the will of God. The will of God and the wills of God. Now it's fairly commonly put out there that it's kind of three wills of God. There's the sovereign will of God. It's like God just does it. There's the perceptive, I think I've just said that wrong, will of God. But it's like you read the word of God and it says do this. And so that's what, that's the will of God. And then there's the permissive will of God. She's God's put us in a place where we can choose. And he just says, go and do it. It's kind of the permissive will of God is, you know, kind of what are you going to have for breakfast in the morning? You don't just open up the word of God. You don't, well, I don't know, I don't eat breakfast at all, but I, it's like, I don't know too many people that spend an hour in prayer. God, what am I going to eat? Am I going to have scrambled eggs or poached eggs? Which one? You go and buy a car. There's not many people with a sum, but there's not many that go, I'm going to pray, God, show me which is the right car to buy. Is it this one or is it this one? It's like, no, there's things that God just says, do it. God just says, do it. And just as we were worshiping, I just felt that that was a good word for someone here this morning. That you're getting tied up in knots. Your head is a, a mess. There might be more than one person here. It's like, and you're going, but, but I just, I haven't heard from God. What I want to tell you this morning is, what if you don't? What if God is silent on the issue? Not because he doesn't care, but what if God is silent on the issue because he's waiting for you to make up your choice? What if he's going, I trust you, son. I trust you, daughter. Do you. Be you. Do what it is that you want to do. Yes, there's moments when we read the Word of God and it's clear. There's moments when a, a leader comes and speaks into our life and it's, it's clear. There's moments when things just happen because God just says, that's it, the sovereign will of God. But, but what I really wanted to encourage you with this morning is that last one, the permissive will of God. God's given us permission to live a free life. God's given us the ability to make choices. So let's not back ourselves into a corner going, but I'm waiting for God to speak to me. No, God's just saying this morning to you, just do it. Just send it. Just send it. And it'll be all good. Amen. How good is that? Does anybody love just send it? 
Can I tell you, it was me heckling Tegan as she's trying to lead into worship and she's going, let's just create a space. And I'm standing in the front row going, just send it, Teeks. And Teeks, <laughs> so, sorry, Teeks. But I love it. Chris Kindlemark last year, unfortunately, we're not doing one this year, but last year's Chris Kindlemark setup, I think it's the most fun I've ever had setting up for Chris Kindlemark purely because of Send It and uh, the amount of fun that we had around that. So as you grab your seats, just have a look at the screens. Thanks, team. I don't know, I just woke up from a little nap. It's a little dark, but you guys silly? I'm still going to send it. Well, that hurt, but the ET still runs, so round two. <laughs> He's tweaked. That hurt, but I'm just gonna send it. That's what you've got to do sometimes. You just got to get into it. So I like it. Thanks, Teagues. It's good, and that's what we're gonna do this morning. We're gonna jump straight in to the Word of God, and we're gonna send it. And we're gonna talk this morning about a whole bunch of people who literally they just sent it. Um, I love this story. This month we are looking at the Book of Nehemiah, and. Uh, and so this morning's word, teamwork makes the dream work. And ain't that the truth? So true in every level. And uh, I love watching teams work well. Really get frustrated watching teams work badly, but I, I love watching teams work well. And the photo on the screens this morning, I don't know how many people are on the roof um, I was looking at it with Kirby during the week and we couldn't actually work out if it was just the same person over and over and over again because they all look exactly the same. But I think there's maybe a couple of people, but, um, but it gives that idea of lots of people. And uh, we were going to put a photo of Fiji up there and our team doing it, but some of the photos we found weren't too OH&S. So we just went, no, nah, let's just <laughs> we'll skip them and we'll look at somebody else not being OH&S worthy. So, but this morning... Teamwork makes the dream work. Nehemiah 3 is what we are looking at. And Nehemiah 3 has got a whole bunch of names that are, I don't know about you, but they're pretty hard to get your head around and your tongue around how to say them. I don't know if you've tried. If you, It was yesterday's um, reading in our Bible reading plan. If you haven't got onto that yet, let me just pull it up so I get the right word. Unquestionable, blah. see, I told you it's hard to get your tongue around them. Unquestionable character, a 21-day study in stewardship, is the U version Bible reading plan that we are um, walking through over the next 21 days. Surprise, surprise, and uh, and that's leading into the end of the month and our build to reach offering and what we're looking at doing. But but this 
chapter in Nehemiah. It starts off, Elashib, the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel, the men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to him. The fish gate was built uh, was rebuilt by the sons of uh, Hassanah. Has, yeah, that one, Hassanah. Naha, it's the double A that gets you, right? Hassanaha. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hazoz, Hazoz, Hakoz, repaired the next section next to him. I practiced this so many times, and you just once you start going, you, my eyes start to go blurry and I can't see a thing. Next to him, <laughs> where are we here? No, hang on, I just touched the wrong part of my page. Next to him. Meshalam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezelbazabal, <laughs> made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Bana. Bana. No, it's not Banana. It's Bana. Also made repairs. And it just continues on. And you can have a bit of fun. I had a lot of fun reading that during the week and reading it yesterday and um, just trying to work out different ways to pronounce different names, which is then you end up stumbling on them because you've tried to say the same name four different ways to see which one sounds best. And, but what we've got here, the whole way basically through Nehemiah 3 is just name after name of groups of people, of different families, of next-door neighbours coming together to build something. See, if we read down in uh, verse 15, the fountain gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Kol Hosea, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the wall of the he also repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam by the king's garden, as far as the steps going down from the city of David beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, ruler of the half district of Bethzer, made repairs to a uh, to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes. Next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites under Rehum, son of Bani. Beside him, and then it just continues on. Next to him, beside him. They built from this point to that point, and then they continued. Once they'd finished their bit, it doesn't say whether they went on and helped someone else or what they did, but there's just group of person, group of person, group of person, or as we're talking about today, team and team and team and team. Teamwork makes the dream work. So when we're in Fiji building a house, we've got a wall team, we've got a roof team, we've got a floor team, we've got a frame team, we've got different teams of people that are all working together to build a house, but they're all doing something different. They're all working together to do the same thing, to build the same thing, but what you're actually doing is something completely different. And so I want us to think this morning about what am I doing? 
What are we doing? But in the we, in the team, what am I doing? Because when I find my place in the team, teamwork makes the dream work. But if I can't find where I fit, if I'm going at it alone, the old saying, a champion team is better than a team of champions because a champion team finds their place. They find their groove. They, they work out how they work together so that they can reach the goal, so that they can do what they want to do. But a team of champions all think they're it in a bit, all think they're the one, and so they, they never join together and work well. When they do, you get a dynasty that happens, and, and you see that in sporting teams. <clears throat> but they're far and few between. Normally it's a champion team, not a team of champions that rise to the top. A little bit of background on this wall that the... It's only a little bit, but just a little bit of background on this wall. There's a photo that we've got here, a picture that, of the wall that shows you where the different gates are around the place. And you look at it on the screen and it looks quite small, right? But this wall that they rebuilt, the length of the wall is 4,018 metres. 4,000 and 18 metres long. The average height of the wall is 12 metres high. Just to get your head around the size of what they did and the average thickness of the wall is two and a half metres wide. And so when they're saying in the scripture that, that they built it, they put doors and bolts and they put roofs on it and they, they did all these different things, you kind of go, yep, they built a little wall yeah, okay, it's like the little wall, the little retaining wall that we build out here to stop the water coming in. You go, well, that's, you know, sits two feet high, it's a foot and a half wide. Took a bit of time, took someone with some skill to do it. But, but no, these guys, these guys built something four kilometres long. And who knows, there's only one thing, I think, harder than building something from scratch. And that's rebuilding something someone's already started, right? Anybody that's built something and rebuilt something, I don't know, some actual builders sitting in the room this morning might challenge me on that. But, but I find if I've got a project in mind and I've got a clear view of what I'm going to do, it's easy because you just go in and go, right, from ground up, there we go. But when you come in and you look at something and go, oh, well, I could pull that bit off and I could do that bit and then could redo that bit there and it's just... So much easier to just go clean slate, bulldoze it, start again. But no, these guys didn't. They rebuilt it. <clears throat> and so we've got the photo of that. So in this, we've got the sheep gate. We've got the fish gate. We've got the old gate. We then come down to the valley gate. The dung gate, the fountain gate, the water gate, the horse gate, the east gate, the inspection gate. Every single one of these gates had a specific purpose. It wasn't just, well, let's just build this gate here. And some of them, they were a certain distance apart so that you could do that. So the valley gate is a long way away from the old gate because when you realise the sheep gate, it's your salvation moment. The fish gate is your discipleship moment. You realise that you... Uh, needing to be a fisher of men like Jesus has called us to be. You come around to the old gate, let go of the old, and then there's 
there's a valley, there's a period of time when God leaves us hanging until we get down to the valley gate. And so there's, there's different aspects of it. It's not just, uh, well, that's just where they were and that's just where they lived or that's just what they did, so that's how it ended up. No, this was, this was planned. This was ordained by God. This was structured so that it was fit for a purpose, fit for such a time as this. And so you've got the sheep gate where the sheep came in so that they were going to feed you. But you've got the dung gate at the opposite end where the is going out. And so there's a flow that happens right through the city of Jerusalem because you've got your source coming in and you've got it going out down the bottom. Funnily enough, it's at the bottom. Um, I had a little chuckle at that during the week. Um, but I don't know if anybody else... Has anybody else looked at that before and thought that? Anybody else think that just then when they looked at it? Come on, put your hand up. Just come on, thank you. I'm not alone. Uh, but oh, I had a good chuckle at that. <clears throat> and the fountain's there as well. But anyway, that's, we won't go there. <laughs> Let's move on. So every gate... Every gate, I'm sorry, I've just lost everybody. Every gate had a specific purpose. Our kids looked at this a couple of weeks ago and just to encourage our kids team and encourage um, the parents in the room here this morning, we've got a second little shot of the kids who did up a, <clears throat> their version of the New Jerusalem and the walls. And so as you can see, there's some golden arches there at the top um, and some other newish things that have happened amongst our kids and so they've added in some um, nice modern things into our, I think the toilet, the Dungate has got a toilet there, um, a throne um, I think from memory and so you can have a look at that, ask your kids what one, what gate they drew but all the kids um, had a gate that they had to draw. I, I'm not sure why I did but I poked my head out partway through that session, towards the end, and uh, Ed was there calling out, who's got this gate, who's got that gate, trying to get them all in so they could put them all on the whiteboard and say, speak to your kids, ask them what gate they drew if you haven't already. Speak to Ed, he's our cameraman this morning, go heckle him after the service and ask him um, how it went and what it got up to. I don't know who was on with him that day, but um, he'll tell you and you can go and speak to them as well. But our kids are doing a great job following along-ish with where we're going in church as well. And so that's just to encourage you this morning around them. The craziest part, the craziest part that I find about this wall being built, this four-kilometre wall, 12 metres high and 2.5 metres wide, the craziest part is we're skipping ahead a little bit in the story, but in Nehemiah 6, verse 15 and 16, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul, in 52 days. In 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realised that this work had been done with the help of our God. When we work together as a team, when we come together in unity work together in our teams to do a specific task, the enemy's knees start to shake. The enemy starts to look at it and go, how? What the? How did they do that? 
How did they accomplish to build that wall in that amount of time? How did they manage to pull that thing off? How did they manage to do that task? Must be God. And so when we bring that into modern day and where we're at for me, I go, obviously because I played football for many years and I'm still involved in football, and, and so I go straight to a football team and I've played in a lot of different teams and been part of a lot of different teams over the last however many years I've been playing football for. And I look back at that same thing that we said earlier, You've got the team of champions and you've got the champion team. And then there's different ways of looking at it and different things, but, but there's one coach that I had many years ago. It was one of my first, actually, senior coaches. And he had this mantra, this thing that he lived by, which was one in, all in. One in, all in. And on a football field, that can mean at times you're getting quite physical because if someone got put down and there was a bit of a Barney going on, then he wanted not just that guy to sort it out. He wanted the whole team get there, help him out. You do not let your teammate get hit. You do not let your teammate get put down. Let's show that we are all in this together. Let's show that we are. And it led to some interesting moments on the football field, but it was good fun. But... <clears throat> But what it showed was that we're all in this together. If you pick on one of us, you've got all of us. And so that season, there was a couple of seasons under that coach, but, but we started to get known around the comp that people didn't start with little elbows that happened on a football field or there wasn't the, the back snipe behind play because they knew that if they put one of us down, the whole team was coming for them. And so there's, there's, this, there's this great thing that's stayed with me through that, where it's one in all in. And I think that's partly why I am the way I am today, because that's shaped me and formed me to be, well, if someone gets taken out, if someone gets something happened to them, I feel it, I'm there with them, I'm there with you. Why? Because one in all in. If you're hurting, I'm hurting. If you're down, I'm down. If you're up, I'm up. That's just the way that the way that it works. And so there's there's that. I had a look at during the week some Formula One teams. Formula One teams did, I'm not 100 percent sure on where they're at now because of the whole COVID restrictions, seem to be halving teams all over the place. But 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 Formula One teams had 60 to 75 people on their team. When you watch Formula One either at a racetrack or watch Formula One on the TV, you see a pit crew with, what, eight guys standing around. You see a couple of people standing in front of a TV screen and you've got a driver. See, maybe 12, 15 people. But no, there's a team behind the scenes, 60 to 75 people. Up to 50 of them are completely technical people that are removed from screen. We don't see them at all. But they've all got an integral part. They've all got part of a job to do to make the driver get to the point where they're in a position to win a race. And you watch any form of, it doesn't just have to be Formula One, but you watch any form of motorsport. One of my favourite things to do is watch a race when Bathurst is always good for it because it's such a long race and those endurance races, but, but you watch a race and you see on the last lap 
there's a car that's down. Instead of doing 160, 200 k's an hour, there's a car that's had to drop right back doing 100 k's an hour, 80 k's an hour, whatever it is, because they're trying to limp across the line, not because of their fault, but because generally somebody behind the scenes on their team has miscalculated how much fuel they had left and they've got to conserve the fuel to be able to get to the line. And it just makes, I don't know about you, but it just makes me excited. And I just go, yes, I hope they lose. That's actually the first thing that comes to my mind is I hope they lose because there's another team that's coming through and their team's going to be up and about. Their team's going to be so pumped right now and I get so excited for that team coming second more so than I do for the team coming first. Might be another little side of me. You seen a bit of that when I preach. But, but there's just that, that moment in time when they go, what, what's up? Where are we at? <clears throat> Teamwork makes the dream work. If one person miscalculates something on a team, if one person doesn't rock up, if one person doesn't do their job properly, guess what happens? The whole team comes down. And whether we're a Formula One team where it's the driver that gets the glory, whether it's another sort of sporting team, whether it's a work team, whether it's a church team, whatever sort of team we're serving on, teamwork makes the dream work. When we put ourselves into a team, when we say, I'm going to commit to a team, we've got to commit to a team. It's like, you don't say, oh, I'm going to commit to a football team. I didn't say, I'm going to commit to a football team and then never train. It's like, I was there. Towards the end, once I got older, I couldn't train because it just... And so there's, there's things that we do and so the older people here, that's not an excuse to not rock up, but there's, there's things that we can do in the context of our teams to make it work so that we're still part of it, so that we're still pushing on. 1 Corinthians 12. You probably are all familiar with this scripture. From verse 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by the one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of just one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, there would be, uh, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. But one body. And so as the team come this morning, One team, one part of our church can be seen as the most important team because if we don't have worship, what are we doing? But can I tell you, the kids' team, if we don't have a kids' team, you can just hear this morning, I don't know if you can, but I can just hear the the rumbling of kids outside running around having fun. If we don't have a kids' team, 
then guess where those kids are? In here. Now who's the most important team? If, we, if we're not feeling welcomed when we're walking in the door, <clears throat> if there's not somebody that's making coffee for us after the service, if there's not somebody that's willing and prepared to come in and give up their time early to make sure the floor's vacuumed, to make sure the seats are put out, to make sure that the toilets are clean, if there's not somebody willing to stay up, uh, stay up, stay, might be staying up, we might be keeping you up, but if there's not someone willing to stay back and be the last person to leave, to lock up, the building stays open, we rock up next week and it's gutted. Now who's the most important person? See, it's not about being the most important. It's about us as a team working together so that we can reach the goal, so that we can win the prize. What's the prize? Every time a new person steps foot in this auditorium, we win. Every time somebody lifts their hand and says, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour, we win. Every time somebody gets set free from a sickness, every time somebody's mind shifts on their way out the door and they're no longer locked up, they're no longer living in a place of fear and anxiety, but they're set free because of the power of God, we win. See, the, the goal what we're aiming for might be different to a sports team, might be different to a work team, but can I tell you, if we become one team, if we get the mindset, teamwork makes the dream work. If we get the mindset, one in all in, then we can see a four kilometre wall built in 52 days. We can see the Adelaide Hills changed. We can see our workplaces, our schools. We can see our child cares in the Adelaide Hills. We can see businesses start to flourish. We can see families reuniting. Why? Because we're all in this together. Why? Because we are working together for a great cause. And so as we build up over the next few weeks to our We Are Gathering. Hopefully you've received something about that in the mail um, over the last week. If you haven't, then let us know in the office and we will make sure that we get one to you, make sure we update your details. But it's our first combined service and gathering as one, loca as one location, as one church in two locations. So Parkside are joining us so we'll have Handorf and Parkside together, C3 Church, Adelaide Hills, for a celebration together, for a night of worship. We're going to give into our Build to Reach offering. Why are we giving into our Build to Reach offering? Because we're committed to seeing what we just talked about. We're committed to seeing the wall built. We're committed to seeing that person's life get set free. We're committed to seeing that relationship get restored. We're committed to seeing that next door neighbor, that friend, that family member come in to a salvation moment and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what we're doing. That's what we're, that's what we're talking about. It's like, yes, it's built to reach. We need to pay off the mortgage. Yeah, we need to buy this to do that. Well, yes, that's, that's all a means to an end. That's all building and buying the bricks and mortar to build the wall. What's the wall for? To protect the city. 
to protect our loved ones. What are we doing? We're, we're paying off the debt of the building. We're, we're refurnishing things. We're doing bits and pieces. Why? So that people can come in to the house of God. I get passionate and stirred up about this. Why? Because I'm for it. Because I want to see us reach the people we're meant to reach. I want to see us expand into the Adelaide Hills, not so that we can become the biggest church, not so that we can have more of anything other than moments of seeing people get saved, seeing people get baptised, seeing people get set free. That's why. That's why I do what I do, and I hope that's why you do what you do. And so our team's nights, just to finish with this, our team's hangs, team hangs. It's like there's, there's two different purposes for that. One is to hang together as a team so that we are actually a team, not just a bunch of misfit people doing a task. So we've got to spend time together to unite as a team, make sure we're on the same page. It's also an opportunity for you if you haven't joined a team, if you're not serving in a church, if you're not part of a team that makes this church work, then I want to encourage you, get along to one of those things. Come and speak to myself, Emma, see Lori. Speak to somebody after this service and say, hey, how do I get involved? I want to join a team because as we join teams, we'll see the Adelaide Hills transformed. As we join teams, we'll see salvation moments. We'll see people getting baptised. We'll see people getting set free because we're in this together. And so, Father, I pray this morning for every person listening, both here and online. Father, I thank you. God, that we've been encouraged. God, I thank you that I've encouraged myself this morning. God, that I've stirred myself up to get passionate about what we're doing. God, if the, if the guys back in the day could build a four-kilometre wall in 52 days because they work together. God, let us dream about what we can do in the next 52 days. Let us dream about what we can do in the next 52 years as we work together. God, put a passion on the inside of us. Stir us up. Ignite something on the inside of us that says, I'm in. I'm in. I want to be part of this. I want to build this team. I want to build the house of God. I want to build the community by joining a team. So, Father, I pray for every person here. God, that you would bless them as they do that. You know, there's one, the greatest team that I want to offer an invitation to this morning. It's pretty corny, but Team Jesus. See, we can serve on the coffee team, the kids team, the worship team, the welcome team, the, the different teams. The reason we're doing that is because we're all in it to see Jesus' name lifted up. And so if you haven't prayed a prayer before. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I'd love us just to pray this prayer together as we come to a close. And if this is the first time 
that you pray this, or maybe the first time in a long time. I'd love you to come and speak to me afterwards. If you're praying this online for the first time, then I'd love you to text or email us. There's a link on the website. You can do that, and we'd love to hear from you. But why don't we just pray this? Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you for your son, Jesus, that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life again. Help me to trust you and follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so if that's you, come speak to me after the service. Give us a call in the office during the week. Email us if you're watching online. But God bless you, church. So good doing life with you all. Love looking around and seeing new faces. Love looking around and seeing familiar faces. The mix is good. And I'm excited. So stick around for the next few weeks. It's going to be a great ride into our We Are Gathering. If you want more details about that, come speak to us after the service. Um, and we'll make sure that you get an invite to that. But that's going to be a great night. We're going to finish with a song, and then we're going to go enjoy a coffee with one of the other best teams, the coffee team.